They say American health is doomed and that the people have all but given up hope as to how healthy and long they can live. And that the younger generation is the first in our history that is expected to live a shorter life than their parents. I disagree. I truly believe we all can live a long, healthy and vibrant life and that the legacy we leave behind is rooted in our health. My name is Dr. Otto Janke and my job is to listen, learn and ask the questions for your longevity. Each episode, we will push your understanding of just how great you can be by connecting with the leaders, outsiders, and thought provokers who will challenge your own ideas and limitations. And then perhaps we can ignite a bonfire in you for the best you. What was once just an idea for me has become an all-consuming passion. So join me on this mission to help make us all better. And welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. So welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. Today we're going to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Robbie Petrella. He's the owner of the Bricks Pubaria in Cortland. We're going to find out some unique things about this pretty cool cat. And we're going to find out what happened in 2000, October of 2000, which dramatically changed the focus and trajectory of his life. We're going to find out how Public Enemy, the Beastie Boys, and Bad Brains were, were chronic influences upon him, and how he takes the punk rock mentality into being a plant-based eater. Welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. Hi, this is Dr. Otto Jenkins. Welcome. Welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. We're going to take a deep dive into uh, some of our guests, get to know them even a little bit better, and uh, watch their transitions of how they change not only themselves, uh, but the world that they have uh, amongst them. Uh, my first guest today is, is Rob Petrella from Bricks, which is probably my, uh, I, eat, I eat there most of any place on earth right now, which is... Um, which is, which is a good thing. Rob, thanks for being on today. Yeah, I'm honored. Thank you for having me, Otto. Yeah, so how long have we known each other? Um, well, that's going to be a good question. We can <laughs> date, I've known of you a long time, for sure, because you're like the, one of the proto-punks in the area, you know? Um, but probably be, before Lucky's, before the skate shop and all that, yeah? Yeah, probably right around there sometime. So we're, we're talking, what, 20 years? Yeah, that's what I'd say, 20 years for sure. 20 years. And uh, you went to Colton High School? Yes, I did. And uh, did you go to college after that? I graduated that? in 1993. Yeah, 90. I did go to college. I went to, I went to uh, Genesee Community College, received a two-year degree there, um, which is in Batavia. And I then another two-year degree at Tompkins Cortland Community College, and then a dual undergrad at SUNY Cortland in economics and then uh, secondary social studies. So when you got done with um, school, uh, you anticipated being a teacher? Yeah, I did it. I did it for a short, very short journey there for a year at McGraw High School. And how'd you enjoy that? You know, I really like teaching. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of me. I think I am a teacher, you know, um, I just, that structure just wasn't, didn't fit well with me personally. 
Sure. Understood. Yep. Understood. And so uh, our first mingling uh, together were really with music. And uh, what was the music you grew up on? Uh, Mostly um, hard rock and punk rock. Um, Started, you know, my dad is really a, a rocker musician singer songwriter um had a always always had a band we always had like band practice in our house um (laughs) always was around music like really young like big arena rock shows i saw my first concert january 20th 1983 it was kiss and night ranger at at the uh war memorial here in syracuse and then punk rock really at an early age you know one of our mutual friends bob catalano and Nino Marati would hang out at my house with my brother. They'd come over with spiked hair and pins on their jackets. And I was just like in awe. I was like, really what put me in awe was my parents' reaction to it. They were like, what is this? <laughs> and my dad was like <laughs> horrified by the music. And so I just remember the names, like Sex Pistols. I was like, what is that? And, you know, my, my attraction to it really in the initial was the aesthetics of it more than like the sound, you know? real young age. And then by the time I hit sixth, seventh grade, making my own choices, you know, with like the Beastie Boys and Run DMC and then the Clash and the Ramones, that was really big, big changing times for me for sure. So, yeah. So what was, uh, give me one one or two songs that uh, set you on a whole different path as a kid. Oh, one or two songs that set me off on a whole different path. Um, first, First was No Sleep Till Brooklyn by... Beastie Boys. It was like this loud guitar, which was played by Carrie King from Slayer, but with rap music at the same time. Yeah. And then short time after that was I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. Total game changer. You know, you look at the Beastie Boys, that was that was just bizarreness. And it was also three white guys. Yeah. Yeah, they were punk rockers, which I didn't learn of until later. Um, you know, when I, when I got into like the history of the music, which is a big part of my life too, but, but yeah, white guys meeting Rick Rubin in his dorm in New York city and blending the spirit of punk rock and heavy metal with hip hop. I, I, I just got the chills just saying that because to me, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it's amazing, but it's also amazing. <laughs> also amazing. Their interpretation, they listen to the Ramones, they listen to the Sex Pistols and their interpretation is to come up to be the Beastie Boys, which is just bizarre as it is. And they're right on the cusp of the whole, uh, you know, the second generation of Run DMC coming out before them and all that stuff to be massively uh, influenced by. Cool stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, from there, what'd your progression go with music wise? So I really, I really dove in, um, dove into punk rock and hip hop. You know, I had all my friends were really getting into hip hop. We were, our, our thing was, you know, my sister and I, we were break dancing. Um, I was really into BMX, uh, in the soundtrack for BMX bike, bike racing was definitely punk rock and then hip hop was coming in. So those worlds were colliding and they were really the same thing. You know, they were playing in the same clubs in the cities, but I didn't know that cause I wasn't going down there at the time. But um, for me, I really dove in really deep into those, into those worlds um, and just started get, listening to as much punk rock and hip-hop as possible. I, w- I became kind of obsessed with it, to be honest with you. And then a couple local bands popped up, like Syracuse, Ithaca, Cortland, and I started going to shows. My parents, is one thing they never said no to was, was concerts. And then even, even when I hit 
uh, junior high and ninth grade, I was going to local shows, even on school nights. And, um, yeah, so that was it. You know, live shows was the big thing for me. And trying to meet meet all the bands was always a big deal for me, too. Right, right. I remember you being uh, on stage at the park with your dad. Yeah, holy moly. So I have a picture of that. Yeah. I was five years old, day in the park. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he brought me up on stage. He was, he was a wild one. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you, here's the funny thing. They, they looked at your music and said, like, what the hell is that? And their parents must have looked, his parents must have looked at him and said, what the hell is your music? Yeah. And, and I do it now when I'm at my restaurant, I'm in the kitchen listening to what they're listening to. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys listening to? And I'm like, oh man, here I am, you know, <laughs> uh, just mostly hip hop. The hip hop continues to evolve so much and so fast, you know? Um, Absolutely. But Absolutely. yeah, they listen to hip hop now that I'm like, whoa, what is that? So do you see that the, uh, when you dove into music that hard, do you see that, that, uh, that interpretation and in your, your willingness to go take the one step back instead of putting your toe in, you just dive right in. Do you find you've done that in your life a number of times? Yeah, of course. Not, not with just music, but with all aspects of my life and, Absolutely. and music certainly, yeah, what the world of punk rock and hip hop brought me, mostly hip hop um, really started to erase uh, stereotypes I grew up with in a small small town, you know? Um, and then punk rock, um, shortly after, in eighth grade, my, which now is probably my most favorite punk rock band of all time, I discovered the Bad Brains. Oh, sure. And they, they pretty much changed my life. And even as I got older, like ninth, 10th, 11th grade, started to learn more about them, read all about them. Yeah, man, it was that stuff really changed my life and changed everything about my life. The way I viewed the world um, through a, a political eyes, through socioeconomic eyes, through eyes of a friend, a family member, whatever. I just that music opened me up to a world that um, with all the respect, my family and my community couldn't open me up to. They didn't have the have the resources to. Right. Right. Uh, you take uh, Bad Brains again, a bunch of black dudes playing playing stiff punk, man. That was blew everybody away. Yeah. 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 And, and the whole fusion of reggae music and all that. Amazing. And we're, and wearing dreads too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw a picture of him, I was like, what's that? And then my friend Damien Tory, whose family owned the record store, he's like, dude, listen to this. Yeah. And I was like, why I need this in my life? Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that, uh, that uh, that persona, that ideology, has gone through you. Your uh, has influenced you so much uh, at a young young age. That's a cool thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I have a Rasta, Rasta bracelet on my left wrist as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after college, as you go to teach, uh, you're still influenced by this music. And um, so yeah. one of the ways uh, you and I have played in bands together, we played up on stage a couple of times. But how we really connected lately is uh, I look. I reached out to you um, late last year, and I said uh, I want to become vegetarian, and I had no idea how to do that. And uh, you were fundamental in me and helping guide me on that that path. I thank you uh, dramatically for that. Uh, but first of all, how yeah. you why you why did you go vegetarian, and what was your viewpoint into doing that? Yeah, you know, again, <laughs> punk rock. Yeah. I was exposed, you know, Syracuse was an epicenter for um, the vegan movement within the punk rock scene. Um, and some people scratch their head. They're like, huh, what is that? 
but you know, like punks were always about um, individuality and you know, bucking the trends in the in the systems and you know the, the politics of food and um, how it affects our environment and everything was a big deal to them. And I knew nothing about this, but I would see these vegan stands at these shows in Syracuse, and I'd always, to be honest with you, I'd be like, "What are these weirdos doing? What do you mean they don't eat meat or dairy?" You know. Right. And, going to the shows and then being inspired by these guys on stage and listening to them in between songs and what they're saying, you know, I started to grab pamphlets and I was at a stage when I was like, I was a real bad eater, man, all the way up until like I was 17, 18 years old. And, uh, I just couldn't eat anything. I never developed a palate because I just, you know, my mom loved her to death. She was like, what do you want to eat? Fruity pebbles. Okay. You know, what do you want to eat? Burger King. Okay. Um, but I just was inspired by these guys on this stage and this <laughs> how they were living their life. And so I wanted to know more and I started diving in and reading about it. And next thing you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to eat red meat anymore. And then eventually that evolved into meat. And so it was really inspired by this, this culture, this subculture of punk rock. And then again, for me, as you mentioned earlier, I put my toe in and then I dove in. So it became veganism for me in October of 2000. It was all or nothing at that point. Yeah. Have you looked back at all since then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a couple hiccups along the way. Um, you know, like when I opened bricks, you know, I, my ego justified, Oh yeah, you gotta like, you gotta try the pizza. You gotta try the cheese. You know, I never tried the meat. I just couldn't bring myself to it, you know? And, um, sampled a lot of pizzas at the time, messed up, you know, messed with my body a little bit. Um, uh, there was a there was a moment of opportunity for me for some growth to be like, hey, why 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 after all these years you can justify this? So that's going back eight years ago, you know. And yeah. um, I'm glad I'm happy for it. I'm glad that I did that and um, got back to where I'm more aligned with my true nature. For me, is veganism, you know. And I know that's not for everyone, but for me, the the 100 plant based diet is is what makes me thrive, you know, for sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, when I was at the uh, Court and Vegheads uh, meeting at uh, at Bricks, it was funny talking with uh, one of the people there. They said, you know, sooner or later, if we keep on, if America keeps on going the way we're going, everybody's going to become a vegetarian because eating meat is dramatically unsustainable. And I'd never even thought about that until that time. Uh, and I've, I've once again, I, I do cannonballs into the deep end, uh, as you do. And uh, looking into it, it's like massively unsustainable if we keep on feeding the cows so we can eat the cows. And uh, ma- just dramatic uh, information out there that shows you that stuff. That's just so cool. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and that's what was the turning point for me when I, when I really started reading the literature and getting the knowledge and the education part of it. It was really, for me, it was political and environmental first, you know, then individual health, then for the animals, you know. Um, once I learned the manipulation of the of big pharma, big agriculture, and the big food companies, and, and their, their, their power to influence political decisions and, you know, the food pyramid and everything that's going into our schools, like, I was, like, blown away. And I was like, you know what, this is the way I can make a difference by each, you know, three, four times a day I eat, Right. So three, right. four times a day, I felt like I was making a decision that had a, a larger impact on the world. And it really sat well with me. And it was right after Bush v. Gore, you know, and all that. And I was all whacked out over that, like, <laughs> you know, you know, that whole decision through the Supreme Court. And so I wanted to, I wanted to make a political stand, you know, and so that's what I did. Uh, fight the power, man. Fight the power. 
Yeah, Chuck D for public. Chuck D, baby. That's a that's a crazy band, crazy yeah. ass band. Yeah. yeah. So cool. So you uh, and then you take bricks. You take bricks from being a. What was the what was your vision of of bricks initially as compared to now? Yeah. So initially it was like, um, hey man, I'm really I've been in this food and beverage game a long time. You know, I've 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 done it all. I've line cooked. I've served tables. I bartended. I was a barista. I was, you know, I've, I've done it all. And I was like, here's an opportunity. Um, with this business partner of mine, Evan Souzas, who's another local restaurateur and to, to open this place that we thought Portland needed. We knew the brick oven trend was thriving in like mid-sized cities across the country. And, and it was coming up and these artisan style pizzas. And I was like, yeah, dude, let's do this. Let's have some sweet handcrafted cocktails and, pizza and, and then a place on what we believe is the best location in, in main street to really help build main street. We saw other places like Harry Tony's and um, central city really start to step up the game for the, for the culinary scene. And we were inspired by that, you know, and then, and, and we were inspired by um, the fact that we thought we could bring something to, to Portland. It was different. And that was initially it, you know, and then, then menu planning and branding evolved from there. You know, I wanted I want it to be edgy. I want it to be forward thinking. Um, I wanted people to walk in and think of like, think of maybe Boulder, Colorado or Flagstaff, Arizona before they thought of Cortland, you know, and it just continued to, it's continued to evolve over the years. We, we gave vegetarian and vegan options right from the beginning, but we didn't have like vegan menus, you know, until uh, a few years back, you know? Yeah, you know it's a, it's amazing the uh, the evolution that's gone through. And initially, um, the stuff was on there, <clears throat> but it wasn't really it wasn't really highlighted. Now I have more and more people who yeah. talk to me about that. And they say oh, the options they have on there are just uh, are dramatic. And uh, I think I think people are amazed at quite quite frankly how how freaking good the food is. And they I, I think they get amazed by uh, that. You can have vegetarian or vegan options and, and go like, wow, that was good. It was satisfying and it was good. Yeah. Yeah. So we used to just have, we just did a, uh, like a supplement menu. So right. the, you right. got the menu and you say, okay, here's how you make everything vegetarian or vegan. Right. But what, what I saw in the last probably four years is in, and I've been vegan 18 years with the exception of the hiccup we discussed, um, is an absolute, exponential growth in this industry and you know just my own eyes i see it and then reviewing um industry magazines and trends and things like that it's absolutely exploding and what happened was we just started selling so much vegan food even without the vegan menu <laughs> and I, I was the time at the time is now and, and i attribute it to the accessibility of information right. you know, netflix had a huge impact on this on the younger generation um, and when I do engage them when they're here, I'm like, Hey, how long have you been vegan? You know, we talk and a lot of the narrative is, um, you know, um, cowspiracy, uh, what the hell, these documentaries that we didn't have back then, you know, right. we had books, they had books too, but I, but I, 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 I honor that accessibility and cherish it that Netflix and things like that have brought to us. You know, of course right. I, I caution people to make sure the information they're receiving is correct. But yeah, it's really been a game changer. So then we went to the vegan menu. We have a full-on vegan menu with several items. I think we're I think we're up near thirty items. 
Um, we also have a dedicated gluten-free menu as well, you know, and yeah. it's been very successful for sure. Absolutely. It's um, uh, fantastic. And because, you know, I talked to people from Ithaca, from Binghamton, from Syracuse who uh, come to Cortland specifically to come there and to uh, eat that because it's, it's there and it's, it's fantastic. Uh, good job going, doing that. Right now we, uh, we, yeah, we believe, we believe it's our, our major area of opportunity to bring out of town dollars to bricks. That, that, that is the focus for us right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so what do you think is going to be the next, uh, the next phase or next step for bricks? Well, um, we have, <laughs> it's always, we're always in planning mode. We have a lot of exciting, um, things coming up for new menus. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, we are, we, um, we love our omnivores and our, our customers and a lot of the ch- um, new things though are definitely, um, t- more towards the plant-based, um, more and more towards plant-based because the industry trends are the, the main meals, your main entrees are the focus is vegetables, less and less and less meat. And this is, I just got back. I went on a three day jump. I was in Brooklyn and then Philly and then Asbury park, um, Brooklyn and Philly to me are the number one and number two vegan cities in the East coast. And I'm just going to these restaurants and watching what's going on. And it's, it's an unbelievable what I would witness of these restaurants, and what they're doing, the style of food that they're making. And they're hundred percent vegan. And with these beautiful craft handcrafted cocktails, it is like blowing up. And so for me, I want to like, you know, I always want to be a step ahead of the trends and for central New York, you know, where people would say we're always a step behind, but I want to stay right on that and, and keep, keep uh, exploring um, opportunities for plant-based uh, eating here in central New York. And, and it's happening. And, and we got a nice little hub where people are coming and enjoying it. And so I think that's the next step just to keep on that path. Um, whether or not it's an expansion into another location, we've, we've tossed around that idea a zillion times. You know, I've tossed around the idea of opening a hundred percent plant-based restaurant um, separate from bricks. Uh, just, I have some other things going on though, where I'm doing some other work outside the food and beverage industry. So I just want to see how everything unfolds before I dive in, you know? Very cool. Very cool. I love the progression. Love the, love the forward thinking. I always thought that, uh, you know, Cortland being the community size that we are, that we dream of our, our politicians dream of bringing back a big, um, you know, a big Brockway or a, or Smith Corona. And those days are gone. And I said, why can't we be the, yeah. the health capital of New York, the health capital of central New York? And why don't we export and import health to here and ideologies of health? And um, it's uh, cool to have people like yourself uh, waving that same flag. Yeah, I really like the way you say that too. export and import health. Um, yeah, that's that's brilliant. And that 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 got that kind of lit me up and made me excited. So let's talk about uh, last part is um, what's going to be on your epitaph and what's going to be the dent you have left in the world when uh, Rob Petrella's time is up here. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, some people may have a different narrative of what that looks like. <laughs> Good or bad as that might be. Um, right. For me, you're, you're giving me the gift of controlling that narrative. So, um, you know, the last few years I've spent a lot of time um, really going deeper into my health, not just what food I'm eating. I'm, I'm, I really looked at myself from the, the body, the mind, the spirit, you know, and I've, 
it, it, that may sound cliche to a lot of people, but I've been doing a lot of work like um, through yoga and meditation. It's really changed my life. Um, and I believe my, my introduction to veganism 18 years ago was actually my first step into yoga, you know, um, um, because the ancient yogis, you know, 4,000 years ago, this is how they ate. They right. ate vegetables and fruits. They didn't eat meat. Right. And, you know, this is a 4,000 year old proven science, you know, and, and um, so I dove into um, what I would call yoga off the mat. I've started working with some teachers in Lansing, New York, at this place called Yoga Farm. And I've been immersed in a, an adult curriculum known as, the, known as the Radiance Curriculum. And it's a, it's a way of giving adults, us Western householders, the tools, you know, to be able to access them, to live a life that's, you know, further aligned with our true nature, which I believe is our heart. I, I believe inherently we're all good people, you know, and, and we learn, we learn negative things. We learn bad habits, you know, the, what I call the Western afflictions or Western addictions. And so I've been doing that for the last few years. I've gone through the program um, privately twice. I've gone through with a group. I'm going through the program again right now with a couple uh, dear friends, um, which is nice. And then this, this fall, I start training as a teacher in the curriculum and we're looking to make this um, organization a not-for-profit and turning it into an education center. So there comes my teacher roots again, you know, and right. I'm, we're really looking to expand, expand this into a multi-million dollar education center that's a not-for-profit where we can get this curriculum to as many people as possible so people can learn to live a life that's um, happy and positive and, and loving. And we think when it starts with the individual – it expands into the household, into the schools, into the communities, and then on the global scale, you know, that's when we can really affect change, you know, and, and that's where I'm at. And I'm, you know, I did a training in Bali back in March. I was there for a month. I did a training at a, at a yoga institution called Santosha. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm back here. I, I head out to Chile in September to work with a couple yogis that I met over there where we're going to do some training and some some brainstorming also but i think the focus is the that beautiful school that i'm at in, in lansing and we're going to change the name to the school of radiant living and get back into teaching and, and really um showing people a, a better way to live through through diet exercise and um meditation and spirituality yeah that's kind of wonderful isn't it yeah it's, it's great <laughs> it's a it's a lot different than uh you know, circle pits at a punk rock show and drinking forties in the, in the, in the parking lot. I'll tell you that, <laughs> but it lights me up the same way, man. It, it, it really does. It, it, it lights me up the same way. It's, it's just as exciting. I still enjoy my punk rock shows and I still enjoy, um, that spirit, you know, that spirit of wanting to change and wanting to see the world a better place. Love that, man. Love that. Yeah. From the Beastie Boys to uh, the Bad Brains, all the way to uh, uh, plant-based yoga. I mean, uh, how how uh, how wild yeah. could that ride have been? And it's great, man. If you like the the Bad Brains, yogis, vegans, the Beastie Boys eventually became uh, 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 Buddhists and right. and vegans. You know, it's like really neat, you know, like how. I aligned myself with these guys in like fifth grade, not knowing like here I am now, you know, that's the cool stuff. I, I, you know, now I'm like <laughs> 43 years old. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me when you get to be 55 like me, then, uh, then we'll, then we'll compare notes. 
<laughs> but I'll tell you, man, I'm to tell you, I feel, I feel better than I ever have. I'm in great shape, workout every day, yoga every day. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a good journey. It's been a great journey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any differently. I'll tell you that. Cool stuff, man. Cool stuff. Rob Petrell, we thank you for being with today with us on the, uh, on the empire longevity podcast. Uh, it's cats like you who keep us uh, inspired and keeping the fire lit, man. Keep your bonfire lit, brother. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Jenke. It's an honor, man. And, um, I'm inspired by you daily and everything you do for our community. You got a great voice, man. Keep it up. Hey man, keep the fire lit. This is the empire longevity podcast. Make sure you keep your fire lit. I want to thank my good friend, Rob Petrella for joining us today on the empire longevity podcast. Pretty cool cat, isn't he? That's a great transformation, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's fantastic. I love talking with people and seeing the big changes they've made in their lives and you know, over 20 years where he's coming, where he's going to. It's fantastic, isn't it? That's cool. That's real cool. Hey, for more information about what we do and what we stand for and uh, who's going to be coming on the podcast, you can look at the uh, www.empirelongevity.com and join us. Come on, join us September 29th at the Center for the Arts in, in, Corton, uh, excuse me, in Homer, New York, as we have Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who wrote The China Study and was in Forks Over Knives. It's a great documentary. He's going to be uh, our keynote speaker at the first Empire Longevity Symposium. You can find out for more information, other speakers, and for tickets right there at the EmpireLongevity.com. I'm Dr. Otto Janke. Thank you for joining us today on the Empire Longevity Podcast. And for you, keep your bonfire lit. <laughs>